Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'll be your host, Ellen. And I'm her one-eyed humpback sidekick, Igor. Stop it. Your name is Katie. That's right. I'm your one-eyed humpback sidekick, Katie. Oh, yeesh. Let's just keep rolling right into our rolling rehash. In our last episode, we compared Chapter 9 of Sorcerer's Stone, The Midnight Duel, with the corresponding film scenes. It's funny that it's called The Midnight Duel, considering that in the movie there was no Midnight Duel. There was no Midnight Duel at all. But we got to see the animosity build between Harry and Draco. We saw Harry realize that he was a natural at Quidditch and watched him become the youngest seeker in a century. Uh, Also learned that Harry's father played Quidditch, though not a seeker like the movie said. No. This section showed us exactly why the third floor corridor was out of bounds, because it housed a giant three-headed dog. And Hermione pointed out that it was guarding something. It's a good reason to make that out of bounds. Right? Mm. Having a giant three-headed dog. Mm, Sure. And in the book, Harry begins to speculate that he found where the grubby package Hagrid removed from Gringotts was now hiding. During episode nine, Hooch is crazy. Hooch is crazy. (laughs) Our Potter pondering was to wonder who the M.G. McGonagall featured in the Quidditch trophy case is. And also, is Hooch crazy? Hooch is crazy. Hooch is crazy. (laughs) Can't get over it. But for real, we got some great responses about the M.G. McGonagall. Erin said that it's supposed to refer to Professor McGonagall, that she was a gifted chaser who won several awards, but got injured. The movie got the date way wrong. They never explained where they got that year from for the movie either. There are tons of theories, though, that claim it could be different family members as well. Sharon shared a YouTube video that she had seen, uh, Details You Missed, Harry Potter, that made reference to it possibly being her brother Malcolm. We will post that link to the video in our Facebook page. So you can all check it out too and let us know what you think there. Alicia also thought that it could be her brother Malcolm. I think the date might still be off for it to be her brother since it's estimated that McGonagall started teaching at Hogwarts in 1956. Kelly pointed out that she has a half-sister that's 27 years younger than her, so... I guess it isn't impossible. My sister's 14 years younger than me, so there's that. Uh, But it seems unlikely. Delroy pointed out that one major plot hole in the Potterverse, how was Minerva able to be teaching at Hogwarts in the 1920s as portrayed in the second Fantastic Beasts film if she didn't teach until 56? He calls it lazy script writing. I'm inclined to agree, but there is actually a whole interesting theory that she started teaching at Hogwarts well before 1956. Uh, This theory involves her taking a break from teaching And that's how she was able to be present in Fantastic Beasts, but not when Riddle was at Hogwarts. And we can save that for another episode. Yeah, another theory is that it could be her niece or nephew, since she has two younger brothers, Malcolm and Robert. But probably not 27 years younger. You never know. I guess it's possible. And wizarding ages are different, too. Like, wizards live to different periods, so maybe... They have kids at different times. Maybe they're more fertile longer. Yeah, maybe. Who Who knows? knows? (laughs) But thank you so much for your responses. Mm -hmm. Those were some really great ones this time, and we appreciate hearing from you. Our trivia question last week was, how many people are on a Quidditch team? 
If you answered the magical number seven, then you'd be correct. Congratulations goes to Quincy Tyree, who was the first to answer that there are seven players on a Quidditch team with the code word. Wonderful. We also ended up having a fun side conversation with Carly and Dave about some other Quidditch trivia. Carly's Alexa official Harry Potter quiz asked, how many people are on brooms in a Quidditch match? The answer is 15, because it's seven players on each team and one referee. Look at you. Kind of a trick. I actually made Len download the, that app for me on for the Alexa, so now I can yeah. do it. It gives you three questions a day. If you have an Echo, you guys should look into it. It's really fun. <laughs> well, let's just keep rolling right into Chapter 10, Halloween and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 10, Halloween. The next morning, Malfoy is pretty surprised that Ron and Harry are still at Hogwarts. They now view the events of the previous night as quite the adventure. Harry tells Ron about the package that Hagrid removed from the vault at Gringotts on the same day it was robbed. The two boys spend a lot of time discussing what could possibly need that much protection. They decide it is both valuable and dangerous, but have no idea what it can be, since all they know is that it is about two inches long. Hermione and Neville want nothing to do with the discussion. Neville only cares about never going near the three-headed dog again, and Hermione is refusing to speak to Harry and Ron, which they view as a bonus. All they really want now is a way to get back at Malfoy, which arrives in the mail about a week later. To everyone's interest, six owls deliver a long, thin package to Harry, along with a letter that explains the parcel is his new Nimbus 2000, to keep it a secret since first years normally can't have brooms, and that he will have his first training session with Oliver Wood that evening. Ron is very envious of the broom, and the two of them leave the hall very quickly so they can open it before class. Their way is blocked by Crabbe and Goyle. Malfoy takes the package from him and realizes it is a broomstick, telling Harry that he will be in trouble for sure. Ron brags that it's a Nimbus 2000, a better broomstick than Malfoy's broom, and Malfoy says that Ron can't even afford half the handle. Professor Flitwick shows up and interrupts their argument. Malfoy informs Flitwick that Potter has been sent a broom and is astonished when he realizes that Harry is allowed to have the broom. Harry can't resist and says it's thanks to Malfoy that he got it. Hermione disapproves, saying that they must think it's a reward for breaking the rules, and Harry and Ron remind her that she isn't speaking to them. Harry is very distracted during lessons that day and can't wait to meet up with Wood for his first Quidditch lesson. When it is finally time, he goes a little early to test out his broom before Wood shows up. As he is flying around, Wood arrives with a large wooden crate and is impressed with Harry's skill. He explains the rules of Quidditch to him so that he can join the official practice the following week. Two teams play each game with seven players, three different kinds of balls, and six hoops. There are three chasers on each team who handle the quaffle and attempt to score goals through the other team's three hoops. The keepers protect their team's hoops to prevent the other team from scoring. The two beaters play with the bludgers, which they hit around with bats and try to knock the other team's players off their brooms and protect their own teammates. The last player is the seeker, whose only job is to find the golden snitch, which is very small, fast, and difficult to catch. Regular goals are worth 10 points each, and catching the snitch is worth 150 points. So when it is caught, the game ends, and that team usually ends up winning. It's starting to get dark, so they practice with golf balls that Wood throws for Harry to catch. 
Harry doesn't miss a single one, and Wood feels sure that the Quidditch Cup will be theirs. Hogwarts is starting to feel like home to Harry. His classes are getting really interesting. In Charm's class on Halloween morning, they get to learn how to make objects fly with the incantation Wingardium Leviosa. Harry is working with Seamus, who accidentally sets the feather on fire. Ron is stuck working with Hermione, who corrects his pronunciation of the spell and then shows him how to do it correctly, making her feather fly. Professor Flitwick congratulates Hermione, putting Ron in a bad mood. He says it's no wonder no one can stand her and calls her a nightmare. Hermione overhears and runs past them crying. She doesn't show up for their next class and isn't seen all afternoon or at dinner. Parvati Patil is overheard telling Lavender Brown that she was in the bathroom crying. As everyone is eating the Halloween feast, Professor Quirrell bursts into the Great Hall and runs the Dumbledore gasping, Troll in the dungeons, thought you ought to know, before fainting. Everyone starts to panic until Dumbledore sets off some purple firecrackers and directs the prefix to take everyone back to their dormitories. Percy is in his element, leading the Gryffindors back to their tower, and Harry realizes that Hermione doesn't know about the troll. He and Ron sneak off to find her in the girls' bathroom. On the way, they see Snape crossing the corridor and wonder why he isn't in the dungeons with the rest of the teachers. Harry notices that he's heading for the third floor. Ron then points out a horrible smell, and that's when they see the 12 feet tall, lumpy troll holding a huge wooden club. It stops next to a doorway, then goes into the room. The key is in the lock, so Harry and Ron decide to lock it in before hearing a high-pitched scream and realize that it was the girls' bathroom, that they locked the troll in with Hermione. They run back to the bathroom, unlock it, and run inside to find Hermione cornered by the troll. Harry tells Ron to confuse it, and the two of them start throwing things at it. The troll turns and notices Harry, moving towards him with his club raised. Ron throws a pipe at him and yells, Oi! Pea brain! And the troll turns towards him instead. Harry runs around him to Hermione and tries to convince her to run, but she's too scared to move. He then does something both very brave and very stupid and jumps on the troll's back, accidentally shoving his wand up the troll's nose. Ron uses the first spell that comes to mind and says, Wingardium Leviosa, and the club rises in the air and drops back down on the troll's head, knocking it out. Harry pulls his wand out of the troll's nose and wipes it on its trousers. Professor McGonagall shows up, closely followed by Professor Snape, who inspects the troll, and Professor Quirrell, who sits on the toilet, clutching his heart. McGonagall angrily confronts the trio, and before Harry and Ron can say anything, Hermione speaks up and takes the blame, saying she went after the troll because she read all about them and that Harry and Ron came to her rescue. McGonagall scolds her and takes five points away from Gryffindor, then sends her back to the dormitory. She then awards Harry and Ron five points, each before dismissing them. When they get back to the common room, Hermione is waiting for them, and they all awkwardly thank each other. From that moment on, they're all friends. In this scene, Harry and Oliver Wood exit the castle carrying a large trunk. Wood is explaining Quidditch to Harry. He opens the trunk, picks up a dented red ball, and tells Harry it is the quaffle. The chasers are in charge of trying to put the ball through one of the other team's three hoops. He explains that he is the keeper and tries to stop the ball from going through their hoops. Harry asks about the other two balls that are struggling under chains inside the trunk. Wood hands him a bat and releases one of the balls. It flies into the air and rapidly hurls back towards the boys. Harry hits the ball with the bat and impresses Wood with his strength and accuracy. 
Harry wonders again what the ball was, and Wood tells him that it is a bludger, and then pulls out a tiny golden ball and tells Harry that it is wicked fast and damn near impossible to see, but that it is Harry's job to catch it before the other team so they can win the game. Cut to white-bearded Professor Flitwick standing atop a pile of books talking about levitation. He has the students practice their swish and flick and reminds them that the incantation is Wingardium Leviosa. The students begin practicing and Hermione corrects Ron's pronunciation. He challenges her to try and she easily makes her feather float. Seamus Finnegan continues to say the spell and ends up blowing up his feather. As they leave class, Ron mocks Hermione. She overhears and runs past them crying. Later in the Great Hall for the Halloween feast, Harry realizes that Hermione is missing. Neville tells them that Pravati Patel said that she wouldn't come out of the girls' bathroom and had been in there all afternoon crying. Professor Quirrell then comes running into the Great Hall, screaming about a troll in the dungeon before passing out in a dead faint. The students all stand up and begin to run for the door, screaming in panic, until Dumbledore bellows, Silence! Everyone freezes, and he directs the prefects to lead their house back to the dormitories and the teachers to follow him to the dungeons. Harry and Ron start to follow the Gryffindors back to their tower, but then Harry realizes that Hermione doesn't know about the troll. He and Ron take off in the opposite direction to find her. Instead, they find the troll right as it is going into the girl's bathroom, where it corners Hermione. She scrambles across the bathroom floor as the troll shatters the stalls with its club. The boys throw things at the troll to try and distract it, and then Harry jumps on its back and accidentally shoves his wand up its nose. He is yelling at Ron to do something, and Hermione reminds him to swish and flick. Ron says, Wingardium Leviosa, and causes the troll's club to float up in the air and then crash back down on its head. The troll is knocked to the ground, out cold. Harry retrieves his wand and wipes the troll bogies on his robes. Professors McGonagall, Snape, and Quirrell show up asking for an explanation. Hermione lies and says that she went looking for the troll and it was about to finish her off when Harry and Ron found her and saved her. Harry notices that Snape's pants are torn and his leg is bloody. McGonagall takes five points away from Gryffindor for Hermione's lack of judgment and awards Gryffindor five points each to Harry and Ron for sheer dumb luck. Quirrell ushers everyone out of the bathroom before the troll wakes up and whimpers when it grunts. I'm really proud of you for making it through that as many times as you had to say balls. You have no idea the self-control that took. No idea. I'm, I'm impressed. It almost physically hurt. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> but you did it. And now I we did. can move on. I did. So in the book, since Malfoy tried to set Harry and Ron up to get caught out of bed after hours, in the previous chapter, our current chapter, Halloween, starts out with Malfoy's surprise and probably annoyance, mm -hmm. that they weren't expelled. This is also when Harry receives his Nimbus 2000 in the book. Mm -hmm. And as we discussed in the previous episode, the Midnight Duel was omitted from the movie. So this scene starts right out on Wood and Harry carrying a trunk out to the Quidditch field. In the book, they don't walk out to the Quidditch field together. Harry's already out there testing out his new broom. And then Wood shows up and gets a chance to watch him fly and is like really happy and impressed with yeah. him well movie harry hasn't received his broom yet that happens later in the film so we'll point that out when we get there yeah obviously. since he doesn't have the broom he can't be shown flying around on it at all during the movie 
like he was in the book. And it mm-hmm. just focuses on Wood explaining the Quidditch rules and rolls and balls. <laughs> balls. You, <laughs> you would. Let's just keep rolling. All right. Another difference is that before Wood shows Harry what a bludger is, he gives him the bat. hands it to him and says, oh, you're probably going to need this. (laughs) And Wood releases the bludger and it flies up in the air before hurling back down at them. And Harry hits it with impressive strength and accuracy. Yeah. And Wood's just like, not bad, Potter. You'd make a fair beater. (laughs) Beater. Oh, God. (laughs) Are you done yet? Probably not. But we can just keep rolling. (laughs) I just wanted to, like, try my terrible accent and you got to turn it into a thing. And I was just trying to distract the people at home from your terrible accent. (laughs) just keep rolling ellen uh did you notice how in the film when wood releases the snitch harry's eyes go right to it and woods are just all over the place yeah and he can't even like see it and it's just like proof that harry was a born seeker yeah i love that little touch i do have to point out that movie oliver wood tells harry that catching the snitch means they win And it is possible that the other team could be more than 150 points up. So catching the snitch does not guarantee a win. Book Oliver says that catching the snitch means they nearly always win. Oh, all right. But that's not the same thing. Hermione, calm down. Hmm? Hermione, bring it. You're at a 10, bring it to a 2. Well, I'm just saying it's inaccurate. The next section actually gets things pretty spot on, though, if that helps. Maybe a little. In both, they're in Charms class, learning how to make things float. Yeah. Okay. They even paired up the students pretty accurately. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they got Harry with Seamus and Ron with Hermione. And it's really only some minor changes, like how Hermione corrects Ron's pronunciation. Because in the book, she tells him to make the gar nice and long in Wingardium. Yeah, as opposed to to the movie's focus on Leviosa. Not Leviosa. And yeah, plus, you know, in the movie, she told him to stop before he put someone's eye That out. was pretty funny, though. Yeah. I like that. In the book, Seamus only set his feather on fire. There wasn't like a whole explosion. Uh, yeah. But as we mentioned last week, this is the second instance of um, the bit of the bit, the comedic bit of Seamus blowing shit up. Yes. <laughs> it, it really is pretty funny. I, I love how they char the things around him, too, like the fruit in the first explosion mm-hmm. and now like half of Harry's face. Right. And he's up there just like, uh, excuse me, Professor, I think we're going to need another feather over here. Yeah. <laughs> like, and his face is just half blackened. I love that because that's something you don't quite notice right away. Right. But then, yeah, it pops out at you. So this one is super minor, but in the book, the feather fire happened before Hermione corrected Ron. But in the movie, they ended the scene on the explosion. Well, it seems like a better ending for a scene, to be honest with you. But um, I don't know if this had anything to do with his accent affecting the spell, but his pronunciation was way off. He's like, "Mm." he like completely forgot the um. And he's like, Wingard Leviosa. (laughs) That's probably why that shit blew up. Yeah. Because saying that's the spell not, completely wrong. Yeah, that's literally not the spell. <laughs> it wasn't. Apparently, it's an explosion spell. Right? Or that's just his thing because yeah. they made it a bit. But I also just wanted to point out the fact that they have Flitwick standing on a pile of books, which the book mentioned when he was doing roll call. Mm-hmm. In the, so in the previous chapter, because uh, he was so tiny, he had to stand on the pile of books to see over his desk. And yeah. 
in the book when he got to Harry's name, he like gave an excited squeak and toppled off of the books. Yeah. But I just thought it was fun that they had him standing on books. It was a nice little throwback. Yeah. Can we just also talk about his white hair and beard, though? Oh, yeah. He's going to have a hell of a glow up in the future movies. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to talk more about that then. But yeah, he really had one hell of a makeover. (laughs) Well, we're talking about makeovers. How about Hermione's hair then? I mean, can we just figure out how to get some goddamn frizz? All I want is some freaking frizz. (laughs) Honest to God. I'd settle for a consistent hairstyle at this point. It's like every single scene. They got a different person styling your hair. Oh, yeah, this looks frizzy. This will work. It doesn't look frizzy. No. There's no frizz. No. no, It's not even a little bit, but. No frizz. Let's just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. Anyways, uh, in both, Ron is annoyed that Hermione is a know-it-all and mocks her. So, well. There's a consistency. I I think Ron's not the only one, but, you know. It's Leviosa. Not Leviosa. She's a nightmare, honestly. No wonder she hasn't got any friends. <laughs> and Hermione pushes past him crying because, you know, Ron's a dick. Right? Pretty much. Then she spends the entire afternoon crying in the bathroom. In the book, they even mention that she skips her next class. Like, Ron should feel terrible. She was so upset she skipped a class. What? Yeah, that's, I didn't really think about that. Yeah, the movie doesn't really give a specific amount of time that Hermione has spent in the bathroom, just transitions to the Great Hall for Halloween feast. And that's when they realize she's missing and has been in the bathroom because Neville tells them. But before they can really do or say much about it, Quirrell comes running in with his panicked, Troll in the dungeon! Thought you ought to know. And then fainting, because that's pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Right. In the book, he wasn't quite that panicked. Yeah. Like, he, he didn't scream it out. It was just sort of like a dramatic, like, right up to Dumbledore and kind of like panted out like it wasn't a scream that got the attention (laughs) of everybody but i don't mind this change because i love how ian hart delivers it yeah like it was perfect it was so funny and chris rankin aka percy weasley have you met him yeah i have really huh you've never mentioned that before (laughs) once Hmm. or twice (laughs) uh but he told a story about how they were all sitting in the great hall set and they were eating food for real and had no idea that the cameras were rolling and that he was going to come in and do that. So they're literally just hanging out. Oh, so they had no idea they had he no was going to be running in. He comes in. running in and just glares oh, that line. And they all kind of just panicked for real. And that's, that was a very genuine reaction that they got out of it. And I loved knowing that. That is... Because if he had just come in and, like, subtly huffed it out to Dumbledore before fainting, it would not have had the same impact yeah. And that's just much more effective in a film to have the drama. Yeah, well that and then and then, you know, all the, the kids freaking out and then and then Dumbledore's just silence. And from oh him my being, god. From him being so quiet and then all of a sudden that right. comes out. I wish that worked with all of my classes. I wish I worked that worked with I, my daughter. <laughs> I have all sorts of tricks. I don't know, maybe these would work with your daughter. Maybe. To get kids to be quiet down like Mostly they work with little kids. You know, I like with, with one class, I say Mona Lisa. Okay. And they all like sit up, fold their hands in their lap and just, and they just like, they imitate <laughs> Mona Lisa. But if I say that to like first graders, second graders, it's unbelievable the effect that it has on them. It yeah. is amazing. But Hogwarts is basically a combination of middle school and high school. And once they reach that age, they care very little about things like if you can hear my voice clap once. Yeah. 
Although in the book, Dumbledore actually sets off fireworks to quiet everyone down, and I have not tried that yet. Maybe I should. I I think that's a health code issue, or a, a safety issue. Maybe not health code, but definitely safety. Eh. In both, though, Dumbledore directs the prefects to take the students back to their houses, and Percy just loves being in charge. That so. stayed consistent. Yeah, so you, you hear the, you know, Gryffindors, follow me! You know, all that. First year's this way. Yeah, and uh, Harry and Ron talk about how a troll could get in, and in the movie, Ron says that someone must be playing a joke, because trolls are generally pretty stupid and wouldn't have been able to get in on its own. Yeah, in the book, he specifically suspects that it was Peeves that let the troll in as a Halloween prank. Okay. And obviously they couldn't can't make this that. be the case in the movies yeah, because Peeves wasn't a thing. Um, although in both, they did sneak away from the Gryffindors to go find Hermione since she doesn't know about the troll. Mm-hmm. So in the book, they actually see Snape sneaking off to the third floor corridor before they lock the troll in the bathroom with Hermione. Uh, they did not realize it was the bathroom when they did that. Oh, uh, okay. See, they don't show that in the movie, and they they take the blame off of Harry and Ron for locking the troll in the bathroom with Hermione, because they he, they don't lock him lock it in. Basically, um, in the movie, they see it heading into a room, and Harry says it's going to the bathroom, and then they rush in to save Hermione. Heroes instead of morons. Basically, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they did have to fix Ron's mistake, considering he is the one who put Hermione in the bathroom crying like he's the reason she was there that's true yeah. and that's probably why harry was just like we have to go tell her because yeah. he feels bad right and i think i think ron has the like reluctant feel bad oh for sure and then as soon as they realize that she's actually in danger mm-hmm. they both have a complete and total hero complex although harry's is significantly worse i think yeah because in the book they describe harry jumping on the back of the troll as something very brave and very stupid. And that pretty much sums up Harry in the entire <laughs> series. Exactly. He was a true Gryffindor. Brawny rather than brainy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so this uh, it isn't exactly a line that Hermione steals. But in the movie when Harry and Ron are trying to confuse the troll and Harry jumps on its back. Um, and yells for Ron to do something. Do something! What? Anything! <laughs> Um, and Hermione's, Hermione has to tell him to swish and flick. And it's like, that's not in the book, obviously. And no. then, then Ron suddenly gets the, you know, Wingardium Leviosa and to knock the troll out with his own club, which doesn't actually, it just floats the club and then it drops. Right. I, I think that does count as a line steal because in the book, Hermione's so terrified that she can't even move. Like, Ron distracts the troll and Harry runs around it and it's just like, come on, Hermione, let's go. And Hermione's yeah. just like, <laughs> Like, she was not in a state to be telling Ron, like, if she couldn't have done Swish and Flick, why, if she could tell him to do it, why didn't she just do it herself? Yeah. Like, where the hell was her wand? Yeah, I think that's stealing a line. I, I will. Yeah. I will count that. But Book Ron totally came up with the idea of that on his own. Like, he just came with... That was the first spell that came to his mind. And I really think he should get credit for that. Mm -hmm. Because it's what actually saved the day. Yeah. Between Harry sticking a wand up his nose and (laughs) Ron knocking it out. Like... Yeah. They had to teamwork the shit out of that. For sure. Well, you know, they had to take on a fully grown mountain troll and live to tell the tale. But in both, Professors McGonagall, Snape, and Quirrell show up, and McGonagall questions them about what happened, and Hermione lies, saying she went looking for the troll because she read all about them and thought she could handle it. And 
I still don't understand, like, why she had to... Li- I don't see why she had to lie. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, the way I see it, Harry and Ron broke the rules to save her. So she was just trying to take the blame away from them in the hopes that they wouldn't get in trouble. And it's not exactly the smartest of plans. Yeah, she literally... She could have told the truth. Like, it's the same thing whether she tells the truth or not. But, I mean, she had been in the bathroom and didn't know about the trolls. So Harry and Ron came to help her. Like, that's... That's literally what happened. Yeah. I don't see why she had to take any kind of blame on that. The only thing I can figure is that she was afraid that they'd ask why she was in the bathroom and it would come out that she was crying and then Ron had been making fun of her or something. But it was clearly a spur of the moment story she had spun and it was not very well thought out. Although I, I also kind of think that the book just shows us that her, at least book Hermione has a really difficult time thinking on her feet because she's just panicked, backed up in the corner yeah. and... And maybe well, she's, she's really worried that, oh, these guys just saved my life and I really want them to like me. So I'm going to take the blame <laughs> so that they maybe won't get in trouble. And I don't I, want like, two I, people to get in right, trouple as like, opposed to just one. Yeah, okay. I, I, just, I, can... I mean, it was 11-year-old. She's an 11-year-old. Yeah, she's book smart. She's not street smart. She's not street smart. She gets smart, a little better at it as she goes she, on. She does, but I think that's with a lot of help from Ron, Ron and, and, and Harry, Harry, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because she's, I mean, and, and, you know, she's an only child. She's never had to cover for any siblings or anything. Too. Oh, yeah, if something went wrong, it was probably her fault. But let's let's be honest. Nothing ever went Nothing wrong. Nothing ever went wrong with her. She was a delight. Yeah. I think this conversation went significantly better than last time when we were summarizing the movie scenes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we, like... Yeah. We, we may have had a shouting match. Oh, we weren't shouting. We I was. <laughs> We definitely argued about this for a solid 45 minutes. It was, yeah. It was a long time. And we came to the same conclusion that we just did, but but not as friendly. No. We had a definite Slytherin Gryffindor (laughs) moment, button heads over it. We did. But we were just really happy we did not do that. We did. Hey, hey. On record. (laughs) Right. You even said that, too. You're like, I'm so glad we're not recording right now. <laughs> and you were right, because it was, it was a really, it was crazy. It was, I didn't realize that I felt that passionately about right. it. Right, you were really, I was just like, no, I I'm just, no I'm trying, like, I just kept trying to tell her, I'm like, no, like, I deal with kids this age, like, they tell the dumbest lies, they don't think I these just, things through. I wasn't, I wasn't going with her on that. But you know what I do go with? Getting that, getting that nice little shot of Snape's legs. Ooh, baby. Snape's uh, look at that that hair and blood. Yeah, Alan Rickman's got the gams, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was the weirdest segue ever, but I'm really take was. it because we did need to move on from our argument. We really did. Otherwise, it was going to start up again. <laughs> so Snape's bloody leg. Yes, they show that, um, and I think that's how they were implying that he went into the Forbidden Corridor in the movie. Mm-hmm. Since, like in the book, they were specifically like Harry was like, "I think he's going to the third floor corridor," and they just spell that out for you. Yeah. So I think in the movie they had to give it that implication since they couldn't well, actually show you where he was going. Yeah, and we'll and we'll talk about this in the next episode too. But Harry mentions that he's limping in the next yes section. So I love I, that's I'll, how it all. Comes I'll bring up. it up then too because it just reminded me of a line that I love. <laughs> but um, in both, Hermione loses five points, mm-hmm. and Harry and Ron earn five points each. Yes, so they come out five points ahead, which isn't which isn't really too bad. But I love the uh, in the movie. She said it was for sheer dumb luck. And I, I just love that. It's oh, got to be my favorite McGonagall line ever. Because Maggie Smith is amazing. And 
Oh, yeah. yeah, the chapter and this scene wrap up pretty similarly with the point system. Like, the points are the same and mm-hmm. dismissing them and Quirrell being left with the troll. But um, the book does include the trio all meeting up back in the common room and thanking each other super awkwardly. And <laughs> and the book says that, and they are friends from that moment on. Now, obviously, the movie just shows you that. But the book has to say, like, it's a great way to sum up the chapter. There are some things you can't share without ending up liking each other, and knocking out a 12-foot mountain troll is one of them. So is making a podcast. We liked each other before then. <coughs> Don't believe a word she says. Katie loves me. Yeah, I do. Um, there actually was a deleted scene with this, kind of with this section with Ron and Hermione and Harry after walk, like walking back to the common room after the whole troll incident. Harry is essentially berating Ron because he was a dick to Hermione. Well, doesn't Harry say something about getting them out of trouble? Yeah, in the deleted scene, they uh, Harry says, thanks for getting us out of the trouble, and, and Ron is kind of a dick about it, and he's like, well, we did save her life. And Harry goes, yeah, and she wouldn't have needed us to if you hadn't have been an asshole. And Hermione's just like, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> like she just gives the cutest little head nod. Right. And then but then Ron just Ron just goes, What are friends for? And her face Hermione's face is just she has the cutest little smile on her face. She's like, I have friends and I legit like teared up thinking about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they walk away together and, and well, so friends. that's essentially, you know, that's essentially what that was. Yeah, because they knocked out a 12-foot mountain troll together, and that'll bring you together. Pretty much. Pretty much. And what brings us, what it brings us to now is our Potter ponderings. It sure does. It, it does. Um, since Ellen and I had quite the argument, as we told you earlier, about why Hermione would lie about going after the troll, I want to know what your thoughts are. And why the hell would Hermione lie? That's just, it seemed like a ridiculous lie to me. Yeah, let us know what you think. We'll, we'll be... have this up on Facebook for you. So Yeah, we'll be putting that on our Facebook. And as usual, any other questions that you guys might have or want to pose or things that pop into your head, please share it on our page. Mm-hmm. We've been getting a few more posts as this goes on, and it's been really exciting. So yeah. keep them coming, guys. Yeah, we like interacting with everybody. Really do. Um, we also are loving getting our Sorting Hat stories, so don't forget to share those with us. Which brings us to this week's... And it's our Nick Fury. Our Nick Mike. Fury. Mm-hmm. He brought us together. I uh, practically had to sit him down and stare at him while he wrote this to get it from him. But <laughs> we've got it now. And he says, hey I'm Mike and I'm a Hufflepuff. My wand is cherry wood, 12 and a quarter, with a unicorn hair core. And my Patronus is a white stallion. I first got into Harry Potter somewhere between 2000 and 2003 as I can remember Order of the Phoenix being the first one I had to wait for. I was curious to see what all the hype was about. The books do such a good job of immersing the reader in this hidden world. The books never felt like they drug on despite the page number increasing. There was no over-description of the background, like Tolkien, or unnecessary backstory like Stephen King. They were easy reads from the get-go. I especially remembered being so enthralled with The Deathly Hallows that I would read it in between calls at my job at Redacted Insurance Call Center. (laughs) I would like to talk about my actual sorting. At the start, I must confess, I had a poor outlook on Hufflepuff House. Gryffindor and Slytherin were clearly defined, and Ravenclaw was the smart-slash-intellectual house. 
Hufflepuff was, in my mind, where everyone else went to. The leftovers. I'll take the rest, said Helga. So when I was first sorted, I was bummed to find out I was Hufflepuff. Thankfully, with age brings wisdom. I found out that Hufflepuff isn't a reject house, but a house that values loyalty and kindness most of all, as do I. A good game is valued over winning at all costs. I could go on. If I had to choose, I liked the books a bit better than the movies because I pictured them because I pictured some things differently. The main three, though, was perfect casting. While not nearly as knowledgeable about the world slash fandom as the two hosts of this show, I do enjoy the fandom. And yes, I am Hufflepuff and proud. Aw, I love our Nick Fury. Yeah. <laughs> he is... Uh... In a lot of ways, like, you can thank him for this podcast. Yes. Or blame him, one of the or two. Or blame him. Sure. That brings us... Sometimes I think Katie goes back and forth. A little bit. <laughs> There are days. But in the end, I always love you. <laughs> I just grinned. There's no... No words. Thanks for thanks for spelling that out for everyone. <laughs> in the end, there's no one I would rather do this podcast with. I don't think there's anybody else I could do this podcast right? with. We're Especially now. Fun. Now it would just feel like cheating. Aw. I don't know why I take that as such a compliment, but I do. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to this week's trivia question. And that is... How many ways are there to commit a Quidditch foul? If you know the answer, head to our Facebook page at JKR Podcast and find the post. Comment under it with the answer and the code word broomstick. That is all one word. I've been working on it. I've mm-hmm. been really trying to come up with well, one word ones. Well done, broomstick. The prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word will get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, or a just keep rolling sticker. And another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you're an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. And don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. Any support you can give, as always, is incredibly appreciated. I've been posting up pictures like crazy of some of the things that we really want to make for the store Mm -hmm. that we're going to add to our website, which is in the works. So we're really hoping that we can get these stuff to come out of just picture form and into actual reality because I want to own some of this stuff. Right. I mean, I know I designed it, but (laughs) I'm excited about it. Seriously. Join us next week when we talk about Chapter 11, Quidditch, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.